Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Who's Clutch Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Michael Urquhart, and you already know I brought my main man, Pots and Pans, brother from another mother, Jamel Brown. What's going on, bro? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, I'm going to get right to it. Um, tell me what the Warriors have found in Gary Payton Jr. A uh, championship piece, uh, someone that brings the intangibles to the game, um, effort, defense, just just give you that grit that you need um, in order to win games. Um, of you, as you all know, uh, he's the son of the glove, Gary Payton, uh, played for the Seattle uh, Supersonics at the time. Uh, when I see Gary Payton Jr. play, uh, to me, he brings another impact to the Golden State Warriors that they that they haven't had. He dunking, <laughs> and you already know what it feel like to get. I mean, when you dunk on somebody in an arena, crowd going crazy, that's a, that's a different feel. Blocking somebody's shot, I just think that he brings a different impact. Um, what would you say that he? Uh, what areas would you say that he needs to work on in order to make him a better player? Well, it's offensive game, but I don't think he's – you're not going to rely on him offensively. Um, he's the type of guy, if he could average 10 points, you know, his impact on the game is really not going to show up in the box score. Okay. Um, do you think that he can find himself, you know, getting a max contract on another team? Gary Payne Jr.? Gary Payne Jr. Now, I'm talking about as far as his development. He's not going – right now, <clears throat> I'm looking at his game and saying, all right, you got the intangibles like you said. You have the impact. Can he develop his game into that, that superstar player like his pop was? I don't see that. You don't see that? No, no, nah, I don't see that. His pop – I don't see Gary Payton Jr. averaging 20 points. Uh, but I do see him – being a very important piece on a very important team, I don't really see. I don't have that high of an expectation for him. Doesn't mean he's not going to have a, a solid career. Okay. Bro, the Kings want to send Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Hill, and two first-rounders for Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris got to go. Mm-hmm. And Matisse Thibault. Why, what's taking this deal so long? That you, you like that deal? You like that trade? You want that to happen? You like Buddy Hell too. I like Buddy. I like um, Holly Burton. Uh, I'll take Harrison Barnes at this point for, for Tobias Harris. Uh, like I said, I'm never in the business of disrespecting nobody, but I'm going to definitely call it like I see it. For that money he making, I, I'm not impressed uh, as far as Tobias Harris. So, Yo, what's going on with... Harry, Please, Harrison Barnes, that I like that deal. I like that deal. I think that that deal will work out for both sides. I'm more invested in a Portland um, swap. Uh, I've been on that for years. So, yeah, I, I love the idea of Dame coming to Philly and Ben going to Portland. I mean, but they they clearly want a package deal. They clearly want to send Tobias and Ben Simmons out of here. So. This Kings deal looked like the best deal possible for us at this point. And we get two first-rounders. So, I mean, we lose Matisse Thibault. I mean, I think Buddy held a, a way better score than Tobias Harris. Um, Holly Burton, 
and Matisse Thibault, who you like? Hollyburn, I think he has the, the most potential. Um, he gives me Kevin Martin vibes. You know, if you remember Kevin Martin, I used to play for the Kings. He he really mirrors his game a lot to me. Um, I see a lot of that in him. So yeah, I, I like I like um, Hollyburn if I had to choose. Now, this is the bigger question: um, Would these pieces work with Bead? Can yeah, definitely. Holly Burton can can hit the three. Um, high IQ, passing ability, size. Buddy Hill, obviously, he's he's a shooter, spacing. Um, Harrison Barnes, he'll play pretty much the same role that Tobias playing. I think he he's more consistent than Tobias is. We could debate that, but for that money, at this point, we gotta have some type of change. He making thirty six million. Yeah, that's my point. That's 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 not that don't make sense to me. That, that don't make he sense. Gave him one hundred and eighty million dollars. I, I think that's too much uh, money for him. <laughs> I think it's too much pressure on him. I think it's too much pressure on him because he now you got to produce. Like he he just he should be just he sh- he got to be in an environment where he could just play basketball. Like he might very well be a third option on the team. So, I think. The better pieces you have around, the better he'll be. But for that money, at this point, he, he need to be like leading. The, he need to be leading the team in every category. He, he look like a bench player. That's exactly what he looks like. <sighs> All right, my last question about this topic. Let's just say this deal get done. The trade deadline is February tenth. Trade deadline is February tenth. If this trade is made. Does this solidify the Sixers going or winning the NBA championship? I think it solidifies them going. Mm. Yeah, I think it solidifies them going because I think at this point, B just needed a little help. Um, but this will be second on my list as far as deals because I like the Portland deal. But it don't. It doesn't look like we're going to get that deal, Mill. So we, this is the best we got. Can we go to the NBA championship with this team if Buddy Hell, Halliburton, <clears throat> and... Uh, well, that's chemistry, so you would have to see how that mesh. It's, 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 it'll be hard to predict. But I like those pieces. I, don't, I think they'll fit. Mm. Um, you know me. I don't really like... Uh, I don't like foul play. I don't like foul play, bro. You know, and, uh, you know, certain things that go down on the court that I see sometimes, you know, if, if we was uh, if we was at Clark Park or if we was down King Sesson, you know, it, things would have went a little differently. Um, but this, uh, this flagrant foul that Grayson Allen had on Alex Caruso, um, how would you feel? I mean, you played basketball. Like, what would be going through your mind if a player fouled you like that? I don't know. It's it's hard to to really say um, how I would react. But if I felt like it was um, any dirty intent at that time, then I don't think my reaction would be you know too pleasant. But yeah, that's 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 the nature of the game. Sometimes, like some people really take no layups to mind, like to heart. Like 
some people really take that I'm not giving them no layup, and that 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 means by any means, yeah. So some people got that mindset. I'm not mad at it. Um, You're not you mad never, at Grayson Allen. You got to look at his intent. Uh, it's always hard to judge intent. The outcome sometimes make it vicious, but you never really know somebody's intentions. What do you think Grayson Allen could have done differently to prevent this from happening? Yeah, that's hard to say. That's just hard. Just let him lay the ball up. Just let him go to the rack. It's, it's hard to really answer that. No, I'm not really saying uh, just let him lay the ball up. I'm saying... I'm saying that's the other option. That's the other alternative. Or you can go up. He definitely pulled momentum the other way for Caruso to kind of like fall down. I'm not saying that his intent was... To, to take him out. <laughs> I'm not saying that his intent was to take him out. What I am saying is, I mean, I think it was a little extra. I think it was a little extra. Would you, if you was Caruso, would you think it was a dirty play? It's, yeah, it's hard to say. I can't really answer that one. I can't really answer that. Have you ever been fouled hard? Of course. Of course. How did you take that? Every, every foul is different. It's hard to say. Like, you got to be in that moment. It's hard to anybody could say something looking at it from the outside. Okay, so let me ask a more specific question. What what are your indicators that you know this flower is flagrant? Like I said, intent. Um, you could kind of see if it's premeditated by the body language. Or you you just judge intent. If you had history with that person on the floor at some point, bumped heads, anything. So you is is a lot that go into. Judging if a foul is intentional. Well, Caruso down, believe six to eight weeks off that. Um, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, the Nets parted ways with with, with uh, your man Paul Millsap. The Nets let Paul Millsap go. You, how you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's, he had a nice run. It's over. It, you saying Millsap? Yeah, it's the, over. The league has changed. <laughs> it has. It's over for a lot of guys. The league has changed. So a lot of dudes gonna get left behind. Uh, who else on who else on that list? Look at a guy like Drummond. He's suffering from it. The the league changed. You're looking at a max player at some point coming off the bench fighting for a contract now. So it is just because of how the league changed. The traditional power down low, um, that doesn't really work unless you're able to shoot the ball. So with him not being able to shoot free throws or really like a mid-range shot with three-pointer, you're going to get left behind in this new era. Drummond, Paul Millsap, anybody else? Nobody else that I can think of right now off the top of my head. What about JaVale McGee? He he good? He going to always play his role. He can play his role. Dwight? Play his role. Okay. The Knicks are interested in Mavericks guard Jalen Brunson. Now, when you see the Knicks play, um, you look at Randall, um, R.J. Barrett, of course. Um, do you think Jalen Brunson is a good fit for the Knicks? Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's hard to say. They got a lot of guards. Uh, so it's, it's more what that team going to look like. To what they're going to do to get them, who they're going to give up. 
Um, I mean, he's having the, his best his best year right now, sixteen and five. Yeah, but it's all in your team needs, though. It's not really just about how good this player is. It, you got to need this type of player on your team in order for it to work. So, yeah, you you had to see uh, who's involved in that trade. Do you think it would hurt the Mavericks if they let go of Brunson? Definitely, definitely. What do they lose? A high IQ point guard, um, an actual point guard like that understands the floor, understands getting people involved, not got not going to make too many mistakes, um, going to play hard, got that Villanova blood in them. So, yes, yeah, somebody who's poised, he brings a lot to the table. I think he's he's fine where he's at. Now, speaking of point guards, who does Jalen Brunson remind you of? Uh, one of them old school point guards. Does he remind you of anybody? Off the top of my head, I can't I can't really come up with that one. But I'm sure I could, and, and I'll probably have an answer by the end of the show. Well, you might have an answer by the end of this topic. Um, I want to talk about um, <clears throat> the point guards that laid the blueprint. You know, we see, we see a lot of point guards in today's league, um, and... What what point guards in back in the day laid the blueprint for these point guards now? Who would be your top five point guards that actually laid the blueprint? Uh, Magic, Isaiah Thomas. Now this ain't the top five point guards of all no, time. No, 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 no. Laid the blueprint. Magic, Isaiah Thomas, Tony Parker, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. Mm. What you what did you like most about Tony Parker? Um, how, f- how effective he was with just using the fundamentals, like spin move, um, floater, uh, mid range game, pick and roll, moving without the ball. Just he brought a lot of fundamentals to the game, and the floater you're gonna forever see that. Like I can't say that he invented it, but he also made it his signature. Tony Parker was a dog, um, very physical. Uh, and he, he understood balance, like, he's, like we was watching uh, earlier, always dribbled the ball low, um, always was able to protect the basketball, um, knew when to stop. Remember, set you up to dribbling just to get that space for the spin move lay. Um, and it's a reason why the Spurs got... Three rings. Uh, Tony Parker was a part of that. Um, him, Ginobili, Tim Duncan. So for me, just really, really, no, Tim Duncan got three, right? Or he got four. He got one with David um, David Robinson, right? He got two or three. But, yeah, Tony Parker for me, um, uh, I like this game. Uh, I love the floater. The floater actually cheating. He got five? Mm-hmm. The floater actually cheating. How hard is it as a defender to stop the floater? Really hard because you got to time it. And it's really hard to predict when someone is going to stop and get in motion. It's really hard. That's why I moved like the one-two dribble pull-up, uh, stopping on a dime. Like you really can't predict when somebody's going to stop. So your timing would have to be perfect and you would have to have a hell of a vertical bounce. Uh, he's one of the best finishers I've seen with the basketball. Definitely. Let the paint and 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 scoring 
with a league filled of Shaquille O'Neal's and Iversons and LeBrons and Kobe's, McGrady's, like he he led as a point guard. Yep, as a point guard. Did you really see Tony Parker in the post a lot? Um, not a lot, but he he does he he uses the back to the basket a lot. Um, I can't say that I, he was like looking to score out of the post, but he was a very high IQ player. I'm pretty sure he had that part of his game. Who in today's uh in today's NBA reminds you of Magic? Do you think anybody uh took Magic blueprint that you watching? Yeah, like a guy like LeBron, definitely. A guy like LeBron, that's in his DNA. Um, tall guard, point guard with vision, able to play one through five. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's. I would say Magic um, paved the way for for guys like LeBron. LeBron is paving his own way because he has more to his game. But I think that that's definitely um, part of his DNA. We seen Jason Kidd get a chip with the Mavs with Dirk. Um, you named Jason Kidd in the top five of the point guards that laid the blueprint. What did Jason get? What did Jason Kidd bring to the NBA? Uh, what did he get bring to the game of basketball? Style with passing the ball, man. Just being able to dominate with your passing, uh, keeping your dribble alive, the lobs, just the, just the, like I said, the style. Um, he was. He also was about six six, so he wasn't a small guard himself. Uh, selfless, he was all. He was all for setting up his teammates, um, even with some as simple as a a hit ahead pass. He didn't care about dribbling the ball across half court. He wanted to. He wanted to create pace. He wanted to create pace. So he was a. He was a hell of a point guard. And one of the things I liked about Jason Kidd too is that. He always guarded the best person, <laughs> the best offensive player on the other team. That was later in his career, definitely. How hard is it to actually guard the best player and stood up, still put up offensive points, still be able to be a factor on offense, still make an impact? You have to have a lot of stamina. It's very hard. You got to have a lot of stamina. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's rare that you you get a two-way player that's a lockdown defender and able to give you 30 um, points a night. As a point guard. Yeah. That's as a point guard. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think Jason Kidd was the most selfless. Uh, John Stockton, he's in there as well. He's another point guard that's in there. But you said, my five would be those. I think they got the they, – they're part of the blueprint. If you look, you, you'll find one of them and a lot of players. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Who's Isaiah Thomas? What what point guard do you see is that, that Isaiah Thomas? Chris Paul? Possibly. Possibly. That would that would be probably um a very um that's a good that's a good comparison. That's who actually came to mind first. So yeah, guys like Chris Paul, uh, knowing when to score can give you twenty, thirty, fifteen assists. <laughs> um do you think Chris Paul is ever gonna win an NBA championship? No, I don't. And it's unfortunate. I feel like last year was, he tasted it. It was up 2-0 in the finals. And I, and I said it last year and I said it again. Um, like I said, no disrespect to nobody, but it is what it is. Like, I don't think that 
that team, even though they winning, they winning a lot. Um, I think that when the playoffs come, and the West is fully healthy because they got a they got a nice little path last year due to, to injuries and stuff. I think this year with guys healthy, healthy Lakers team, healthy Denver team, healthy Warriors team. Uh, I think that even a team like Minnesota, Minnesota, like it, it's it's a lot of teams out there that that'll give up um, that'll give matchup problems. So. I think it's going to be a lot harder to get back. Regular season, they're going to do what they do. They tasted the finals. They're showing it. But to get back there when playoff time starts, I think it's going to be difficult. What is Cam Reddish going to bring to the Atlanta Hawks? To the Knicks? Oh, my fault. Yeah, the Knicks. You got traded from the Hawks to the Knicks. Um, Cam... Cam is good. Cam is good. Like Cam is a scorer. So you got a a nice size guard who can create his own. Um he's he also has the potential to be a lockdown defender. So I think they have a playmaker on the perimeter and they have somebody that can get them 30 points, 25 points. I mean, he's a volume uh shooter, so he's going to put up a lot of shots, but I feel like There'll be shots within the offense, and those will be shots that they will want him to take. Take He's good enough. And I think New York is a place where he can really showcase his talent. Um, he's, he's, he's more needed in New York than he was in Atlanta. Anthony Davis is set to – he's upgraded to questionable to make a return after missing 16 games. Um, the Lakers were 7-9 without him. What does this mean uh, for the Lakers? We've we've been seeing Brian playing at a high level. Uh, we was reading off his numbers in the last show, and uh, we obviously we we're watching Brian, you know, show effort, and he really wants to take this team to the playoffs and make a run. Um, what needs to happen with this Lakers team in order for them to, to get it together to to let the fans know that they're serious and winning? What would be your main indicators to say, hey, this Lakers team is serious, and teams better watch out for them? Just wait until the playoffs start and and watching how, you know, their body language is. Uh, so they got to make the playoffs, which I anticipate they will. And then just really, like, paying attention to their first round, you know, body language. Like, they if they're playing the same way they was playing during the regular season, then that's an indicator that that's, that's who they is. But if they, they playing hard and playing lockdown defense, then I would know that it's, it's – it's game time for them. They, this is what they was waiting for. I tell you what, he cannot come back and still shoot 30, 32% outside the paint. And he's shooting 32% outside the paint. <laughs> you hear what I tell you? I mean, are right, you averaging 23 points. Um, you're shooting 52%, averaging nine boards, okay. Averaging two blocks, they need that. And it's still a game defense. He's bringing you that. 32%? Yeah, he's been a major disappointment this year. Major disappointment. <laughs> major disappointment. There's no way um, better to describe how he's been playing. He's been a major disappointment. So let's just see how, um, like, just see his mindset. Uh, I didn't like his effort. It just, his enthusiasm, it just didn't seem like he, 
It just seemed like he was coasting. So let's see, um, you know, how he come out and play. Because missing 16 games for an NBA player, someone who really loves the game, they're going to show you something different when they when they get back out on the court. So you just want to pay attention to him, his body language, and uh, his shot selection, his def- defensive efforts too. Is Frank Vogel job on the line? Nah, I can't say that. I can't say that. It's just, it's the, whoever the GM is, probably. Because I don't really understand that roster. What you mean? What you mean? You don't understand it? There's a lot of pieces that I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have plugged in. Such as. Well, I always had questions about uh, Russ and Brian. Uh, really, wasn't sure about that one. Then you still got Kendrick Nunn, who haven't played. Like, where did Trevor Reza come from? Um, who else they got on there? Like I, T H uh, T. Like I'm not a fan of him. Like I, I, I don't know what what they doing with some of these pieces. I just anticipate Brian just gonna make it make it happen like he do any other time any, with any other team. Dame getting surgery. Um, after this, I think. Um, do you really think Dame want to leave? Do you really think Dame want to leave Portland? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's time. It's been time, in my opinion. So, yeah, he deserves to be in a bigger market. On a better team, contending. Speedy recovery to Dame. Um, I'm be honest. This is um, how do you feel about this NBA season? Um, do you think is um, it has been better than the previous five NBA seasons? Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of flopping. Um, guys not benefiting from flopping as much, so they 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 crank down on it. Um, shooting less free throws. Yeah, definitely shooting less free throws. Uh, I think that a lot of guys are carrying their teams. They're getting a chance to really put their offensive abilities on display. Putting their teams on their back, so you're seeing a lot of individual, great individual um, performances. Um, the the MVP races seem like it changed every week for real, just based on that fact right there. So, I like what I'm seeing. Um, a lot of teams are are competing. The East has gotten better. Uh, I just I, I definitely like what I'm seeing from the NBA. Um. Speaking of MVPs, I, of course, I think Bede is, you know, the the MVP front runner right now. Uh, besides Joel and Bede, who would you say is also in the mix? Um, I would say Morant. I would say Morant. I would say and Bede. I would say my dark horse is Garland. My dark horse is is. Darius Garland for the Cavaliers. I mean, throughout it all, um, Rubio going out for the season, Sexton going out for the season. They didn't miss a beat, and they they going in jungles really 
winning games. I've seen him going to Utah and put it on him. I think he might have had 18 assists that game. So <laughs> just watching a floor general with so much poise at a young age is amazing. And it's almost, it's almost like you forget how young he is. So he's my dark horse for MVP. Um, John Morant is Woo! the closest thing to prime Derrick Rose that we're going to see. And I never thought I would say that again. But he's the, with the explosion, the bro. That's the a big torque, statement, bro. The torque, um, being able to close games with his finishing ability is not even so much off the dribble, uh, like sh- like shot making. Is really getting layups in the clutch because people really can't guard him. And I, you know, Derrick Rose, he gave me that vibe. He gave me that vibe putting putting that team on his back. Chicago, I see. I see very. I see a lot of similarities between them two. I see a lot of similarities. Once Ja made that sky and block, it was like, oh man. Um, you know, we seen him dunking on people. Um, crazy layup package. And for Ja Morant to be even, you know, in the same category or being in the same mentionings of Derrick Rose, prime Derrick Rose. You gotta understand. We when we say prime Derrick Rose, we saying he youngest he, MVP ever, youngest MVP ever. I know prime Derrick Rose, bro. Remember we was we was saying he was this. We was about to say he was the second coming to Mike, bro. Like, he, no, he was the second coming. He wasn't the second coming to nobody. He was something that the, I don't think. Um, the league ever seen. This is what we saying. This is your, yo, prom D Rose, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I get flashes from of that from uh, Morant, John Morant. You remember when he's like, oh, D Rose starting to to get a little flow with his jump shot. It, bro, yo, speed, athleticism, um, I, clutch. Like he was putting the bulls on his back. Definitely. If you want to talk about jungles, if you want to talk about wars, battles, oh man, the Bulls was going to war with the Cavs. No, it was at the Heat. No, that was the Heat. Mm-hmm. The Heat. They were going to war with the Heat. I mean, how you feel about this? Uh, how you feel about Joker right now? Same way I always felt. I remember I seen him years ago when nobody was really talking about him. And I just noticed something very unique about him. And it's no surprise at what he's doing now to me. Um, he's very unique. Like I said, that's like the most fitting word for him. Like I think that he's he's different. And uh, his, his ability to pass as a big man is unreal, for real, for real. It's, it's, un, it's unreal. So he need to go to another team. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, just gotta see how they look healthy, but it's definitely possible. <sighs> Bro, before we get out of here, man, I need to know who you like to go to the bowl. I like San Fran, man. I I've been meaning to talk about this team for about a, about a week now. San Fran, just based on the simple fact that. Like this team was in the Super Bowl. What was that two years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. They were just in the team. They was, and people seem to forget about them, um, just because they was they was hurt, 
They had Jimmy Garoppolo. He only he threw under 10 passes. So it was a lot of question marks there, and people started to kind of like forget about this team. But as this season went on, week by week, you just seen them getting healthier. You just seen them starting to build that chemistry back. They're very dangerous. You know, it's all about momentum. It's all about, you know, traveling uh, defense. And Kyle Shanahan is putting on a coaching clinic. Like, he's putting <laughs> on a clinic. Um, he's managing Garoppolo. Uh, just his formation, his schemes. That team is very, very dangerous. You made a statement to me earlier. <laughs> I'm about to tell him. And I, I want you, I want give it to him. I'm about to give tell him. him. Look, listen, bro. I'm 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 being um let me piggyback off of your your Kyle Shanahan and him putting on the clinic. Listen, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. And I'm just talking about putting people in positions strategically to maximize their potential. And he does a great job with that. Hughes check, uh Elijah Mitchell, Kittle, you know, and this individual, who I feel as though might be a unicorn in the NFL, like we've seen players do certain things, um, but to the level that Debo Samuel is doing at, ah, he's he's the best NFL player right now. He's number one, hands down. Um, he's their number one running back. He's their number one wide receiver, bro, and he can pass the football. He has passing touchdowns this year, too. But Debo Samuel is giving you everything. That effort that he put on yesterday um, against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau while it was snowing, cold, uh, being the focal point of the offense with Kyle Shanahan being able to put him, put him in positions, those formations that he run, uh, misdirections. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's showing that he wants it. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, he Kyle Shanahan designed his offense to the point where every time Jimmy Garoppolo was even trying to throw outside the numbers, one got intercepted right before the half in the red zone um, when San Fran is the best red zone uh, offensive team in the NFL. And the other one almost got picked if uh, Stokes would have had his head up instead of going for the tackle. If he was looking at the ball, he would have picked that off too. So he would have had um, two interceptions. But nevertheless, uh, Kyle Shanahan is doing a great job. And I think Debo Samuel is the best NFL player right now, hands down. Like, he's doing everything. Yes, I, I, people look at Aaron Donald and says that he's the best NFL player. You got uh, players like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, Alvin Kamara. Uh, but when I look at what Debo Samuel is doing for the San Francisco 49ers and how well Kyle Shanahan is able to take that one piece Make him an X factor in multiple areas of the football game, bro. That is pure genius. That is pure genius. Yo, Debo Samuel is the best NFL football player right now, hands down. I agree. So, next question. Um, did you see the Tennessee game? Yes. Was that a pick? The one that hit the ground. You seen it? I mean, Do you know what I'm talking about? You got to acknowledge that you know what I'm talking about first. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Bro, I would have to see the play again. Okay. I, w- I would have to see the play again. Matter of fact, pull the play up. Pull the play up. But I did see the Tennessee game. And I want to let you know this. I never trusted Ryan Tannehill a day in my life. A day in my life. Because I seen the very first interception that he threw on the very first time he touched the football off a of play action to Derrick Henry. He threw it right there. Bates picked it. 
I seen that one. You, you Ryan Tannehill, he, he he's not going to get it done. He doesn't have the intangibles. He is a game manager. You put Ryan Tannehill in a position where he has to win the game for you, which Tennessee, you thought they was going to run Derrick Henry 40 times? Coming off injury? Julio Jones a shell of himself. I can't. I, Ryan Tannehill doesn't get any type of leeway with me. I mean, he doesn't get no leeway with me. He played bad. He played bad, bro. You don't think it was an interception? I mean, if it hit the ground. If I play at the ground. Did he have control when the ball hit the ground? It was happening at the same time. So simultaneously, mm-hmm. he had control, and it was hitting the, the ground at the same time. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'm trying to find it for you. That Just that play. Was it hooker? I mean... Yeah, you might be talking about uh, Hooker. I don't listen. I don't trust Ryan Tannehill. That's just that's just how I feel. And um, I mean, we gotta give we gotta give credit to we gotta give we gotta give credit to the Bengals. You know, I'm definitely want to give credit to the Bengals. We gotta give credit to the Bengals for for playing through. Joe Burrow effect is real. I see the, the confidence in all his teammates. The, even the kicker said, I kicked it and I walked off. I knew I was going to make it. I knew I was going to make it. McPherson, he money. Yeah, he, and, he, he told, and, and Joe Burrow said, um, he said something to him before he walked out. Like, man, I know you're going to make it. See, I was walking, Joe Burrow said, I was walking onto the field when, when he first kicked it, when he first let it off. So I was already walking onto the field. So they got that confidence in each other. It's unreal. That's Joe Burrow because that, that Bengals team wasn't talking like that a couple years ago. If I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, NFL crazy, man. That is. Uh, Vegas took like 10 minutes on that call, too. They crazy. That's a crazy call. I don't know football. I don't know football. That helped them catch the football. I mean, he. It was it. It gave him the benefit because he had two hands on it. It did happen simultaneously. Um, oh man! If I'm the referee, I'm gonna be honest. I'm calling anything that really hit the ground uh, incomplete. I'm that's, gonna be that, honest. That's what I thought football was. If it hit the ground, I mean, it's it's not live anymore. It's it's, it's a dead play in ninety five percent of football. So I, I mean, but sometimes sometimes uh, they it was a pick. It, it looks like it wasn't a pick. If you have possession, and the uh, and the ball hits the ground, and you still have possession, like the ball, if you have possession, the ball can still hit the ground. The ball hit the ground as he was catching it, though. See, that's my thing. It hit the, it hit the ground as he was catching it, which means that's incomplete pass. It's an incomplete pass. I bet you, if if, if that was the receiver, if they were trying to rule if the receiver court that that would have been an incomplete. Like you can't do that. No, don't give don't give the benefit of the doubt because it's a that's the defense, bro. If a quarterback threw that pass to they they're in their their targeted receiver and that happened ten out of ten times, that's an incomplete uh, pass. I mean, am I lying? Fact, this is happening in fast time. So, like I said, um, when we was talking they earlier, got, basketball. They got, 10, they got twenty monitors in a room. 
But remember, you and told me, you told me, just even in basketball, right? I be, yo, bro, that's a carry, that's a walk. Nah, bro, in, in basketball time, when it's happening fast that way, you can't really call it. Yeah, but that's hitting the ground, though. We talking about somebody hammer. We just talking <laughs> about the sport of football. When something hits the ground, it's dead. You spike the ball, where you throwing it at? The ground. Like, everything is, the ground is, is dead in the play. But he had possession on both sides of the football. Yeah, yeah but the, the, the head of the ball is on the ground. But he did double clutch that. The, the, that's, not a, that's not a pick, bro. Look, it's on the ground. That's on the ground. That's not a pick, bro. There's no. See, this is what, this is what reality does to people. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And I'm not going to let no footage or no, no decision make me believe that I'm crazy, bro. That's an incomplete pass. Now people debating. Like they don't know football, saying, "Yo, that's 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 an incomplete pass. That's an incomplete pass." So, yeah, that was crazy when they said they got up there and that ref said that with a straight face, it ruled interception. I couldn't believe it. I said, "Man, tell you right now, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, he's coming for that number one wide receiver spot." I'm letting y'all know that. No, he's not the. He not the. (laughs) No, no, oh, oh. We're not going to call Jamar Chase the best wide receiver in the league, bro. Listen, Did he have the best year? Coop Cup. Coop Cup led the league in receiving yards, receiving uh, receptions, okay. and he led the league in touchdowns. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah Coop Cup is the best wide receiver in the league, bro. Woo, he got the triple crown, bro. I like Chase. I mean, you like that type of style. Coop Cup, Coop Cup got them routes. He'll route you up. He'll route you up. And he'll red zone threat. Much respect. Hands too. What you need? Much respect. Much respect. Jamar Chase, I'm just letting, I'm just, I'm just letting, just letting everybody know. Jamar Chase, you know, with the skepticism earlier in the year, preseason, talking about the ball was kind of big, uh, no stripes. Uh, you know, he was dropping the ball a lot in the preseason. And he had he had people started to doubt. Seriously. Um and he proved everybody wrong this year. I think he has two games with over 250 yards receiving. Oh, really? You understand what I'm telling you? That's crazy. Um, <laughs> that is that is crazy um, to me. And Joe Burrow, you know I love quarterbacks. I can't use this phrase because, you know, we on air. Um, but uh, Joe Burrow is a, is a, is a tough soldier to me. Um, when you're a quarterback that can't be phased, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you always, you love bringing up Eli, but that was one of Eli's strengths. You know, he's going to give you that confidence. Like, okay, I'm not going to let that that bad play, uh, the play before, mess up my mentality for the rest of the game. And you need that as a leader. As a leader, you need to be able to say, okay, next play. As a leader, you need to say, okay, what can I – all right, I made that mistake. I'm not going to do it no more. Bring the footage over here. Let me look at the film, and we're going to correct it. I see that in Joe Burrow. I see that he has the confidence in his players. He builds confidence. You get what I'm saying? As a leader, you want to build confidence in those players around you because you need them to be better as well. And certain certain leaders, you know, like Michael Jordan, take other, you know, steps and and motivate (laughs) – Bro, you wouldn't have took none of the tactics that Jordan took. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Bro, I need to know. I need to know. Any of the tactics, Jordan, he has two three-peats. Tell me something that you would have mocked. Okay, we got mentality. We ain't going to go there. Okay, Jordan was a killer, if not the killer. Bubba Yeager. 
You know what I mean? The boogeyman. That, that, that's who Jordan was, the boogeyman. You know what I'm saying? We, matter of fact, you want to entertain your man Scotty saying I was as great a player as Michael Jordan? <laughs> I think people be, 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 they got it out for Scotty, man. <laughs> They be they 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 be highlighting little little parts of his interviews, making him seem crazy. But no, he he wasn't as great as Michael Jordan. So I don't. I, he was a hall of he's a hall of famer. For sure, a, yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, but he wasn't as good as Michael Jordan. I don't. But he he played a very important role in Michael Jordan's career. So I think he just spoke a little hasty. But he he was on he was on the right right path with with his words. You know what I mean? He. Played a very. There's no Michael. There's no Mike without Scotty, and that's the that's the reality of it. There's no six rings without Scotty. There's no six rings, but there is a Mike. Mike wouldn't be been as Mike wouldn't have been as successful. Going piggybacking off of your example, if it wasn't for Scotty. Yo, what happened them two years Mike left? Um, they got cheat. The, the Rockets won back to back rings. Yeah, but they also I think they almost finished number one in the number one and they still was number one in the East, if I'm not mistaken. And so, so it's, it's, it's some facts there that prove that they still they still was good. Just Mike put them over the top, but they still was good enough to get there. They still was good enough to get there. They still was they still was good enough to compete. So, yeah, I think he just you know he had his way with words right there, but he he played a very important role in Michael Jordan's career, and he was robbing a Batman. Did the Bulls make the finals without Mike? No. Okay. They didn't make the finals without um Phil Jackson either. So Phil Jackson is the glue to all of them. Shaq, Kobe, Mike, Pippen. He's the glue. He's the glue. But uh Phil Jackson is not the creator of the triangle offense. He's not I forgot the guy name. Yeah, uh, he got it from somebody. But the thing is, um he mastered it. Right. And he he, he put it into effect. Like like he made it effective. And People bought it. into it. And he knew what type of players it took for it to work. That's why you had a similarity with Kobe and Mike. That's just Phil. Does Phil know what he was doing? He needed those type of players to make his triangle offense work. So, yeah, I think that Phil was definitely the glue, if you want to speak of importance. Phil Jackson, none of this is possible without Phil. None of them. None of them rings. I mean, you got to have players out there playing, bro. You understand yeah, what I'm saying? You gotta know what they, and you got to assign them jobs, too. I mean, sometimes it's just raw talent out there. Sometimes you just need There's players to... There's no raw talent on the Phil Jackson team. Certain, so, certain coaches not going to deal with raw talent. They're going to polish these players, and that's what type of players that they need. That's the type of players that they look for, like i.e. a pop. You know what I mean? Certain players, um, certain, certain coaches not going to waste their time on players uh, for the most part if they, if they, not, if they don't have to. Popping like a rebuild phase. He don't want to lead it, the, the the Spurs, so he kind of just dealing with whatever they put in front of him. But he making he maximizing it, and that's what great coaches do. Bringing it back full circle, um, Joe Burrow uh, to me, Joe Burrow to me is um, I mean you can win a you can win a bowl with Burrow. I mean as long as they're not turning the ball over. Um, I mean, but you know. Pressure burst pipes and every game is the next game is gonna be the biggest game of his career. You get what I'm saying? The wild card game was the big game of his career. Then he had the divisional. Now he's in the AFC championship game. You know what I'm saying? He's waiting to play in the AFC championship game. 
this is the biggest biggest game of his career. And if he go to the bowl, so uh, so every game for him from here on out, like you said, this is going to be the uh, the the minimum. This is going to be the standard set for the Bengals now that I'm here. We're, we're going to be expected to go to the playoffs. We're going to be expected to win our division. We're going to be expected to make it far. You know, we've, we've set we've set the bar. So that's what I'm saying. Um, that's why I say Jamar Chase, you know, for these wide receivers to look out because once these, the, you know, defensive coaches get filmed, you know, we got to see how you work out on your second gear. Um, but right now, he's on the prowl. Uh, any gems you want to drop before we get out of here, bro? Nah, we covered Covered pretty much everything. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, uh, one gem that I want to drop, man, is um, of course, uh, listen, life too short. Uh, patch it up. You know what I mean. If you gotta put your pride aside, talk to whoever that you need to. Um, that you probably been uh, you know, distance from. You know what I'm saying. Handle your business. Just talk to that person. You know, get what I'm saying. It ain't a little conversation. Don't hurt. Yeah, you would be surprised. You'd be surprised um, how much you can fix and resolve through conversation. Like, a lot of times it'd be just, you know, miscommunication. So, definitely. I want to thank you for your time, bro. I want to thank you for your opinion. Um, uh, You turned the game on already. Yeah, we about to watch the game. Y'all already know. Uh, But I want to thank y'all for your time. I want to thank you for your your opinion, bro. Um, It definitely matters to me. We'll be dropping snippets on Who's Clutch, Inc. on Instagram. And we'll also be posting this on Apple Podcasts. Who's Clutch Sports Talk Radio. Um, Again, stay safe out there. Make men's. Put your pride aside. Peace and love.